0: Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you, team. It's good to worship him together. We've been on uh, holidays, so thank you for that. We had some weekends away, which was lovely, and I've come back and there's all these new faces. I don't think I've met many of you, so welcome. I should go away more often, Ben. People just come. It's good. It's very good. Um, it is encouraging to see so many of you here. And um, we, we are a church who are deeply committed to becoming a people connected to one another through our connection in him. And so this is good when we do community and that we can come and gather together as one big family Um, Every other week we gather in home churches because in that attempt to build community, it's very hard when we're all facing the front, not facing each other, coming, sitting um, and then going. We want to make sure we give time for people to actually process stuff and talk about stuff and be real with one another. And um, we've been coming through this series together around uh, the Psalms and our souls and what what the scriptures revealed in in the book of Psalms can tell us about and teach us about suffering and pain. And uh, I was away on the week that you had a panel that discussed this in more detail. And I just want to thank those panelists for how open and honest and vulnerable they were. And I also want to just thank you, church, for asking questions and not leaving them hanging, which is always awkward, number one. But it actually means that we're actually getting to the core of this stuff. And this is good news particularly as your senior pastor, because we pray quite often that the mission we feel God's put in our heart, which is very, very simple, that we would take it incredibly seriously, that we truly would become a people connected to him and to one another, and that we would grow to be more like him so that we may reach others with his love. And, and to be able to grow to be more like him and to be able to be connected in genuine community, you got to be vulnerable. And the very fact that in a room of this size, people were willing to put their hand up and ask a question says, we're going somewhere. I don't know if you can see it, but I'm excited. Are you excited? Good, yes, good. Someone is. I know, I'm still learning the difference between Sydney and Canberra excitement. Um, I'm joking. You're all wonderful, passionate people. Aren't you? That's good. That's good. Um, and I'm, I'm not when I, when, I, when I fish a little bit for that, I'm not trying to manufacture something here or create a sense of hype because we're uncomfortable with silence. I'm genuinely excited and I want you to start to see that what we're trying to achieve here is happening. Listen, I've been a part of movements and, and still a part of a movement that believes for a million worshippers... That's, that's on the heart of our senior pastor, Phil Pringle. I'm telling you, there will come a day where that will be a reality. When, when Pastor Phil is such a visionary and has such a heart for the future of the movement and, and God working through this movement of C3, it, it will happen. As passionate as he is about that, I'm as passionate about seeing this being a community to grow to be more like him, and it's happening. And so I want to encourage you keep going. If you're not a part of a home church, please either come to this home church that we run here every week or join a home church that meets somewhere else and get into community because God is doing something in us as a community to transform us to become more like Him. And so that when we come together, the reason our worship is just we can have two people on stage. We don't have to have all the glam and hype and anything. And God just comes is because you're hungry. The more you have an appetite for him, the more you'll have an appetite for him. And then the more you'll have an appetite for him. And he will just keep coming because he is an unending source of love. So if you just keep pulling out, he'll just keep providing. As soon as we become stuck in that, because we don't know how to work through our emotions or work through our relationships or work through our disappointments, then it will cease. His love is not, ce- is not ceasing, but, but our ability. But as long as we are open and a community that's passionate about doing this seriously and becoming disciples and growing to be more like him, he'll just keep pouring. And that's exciting. That's good. How are we going? It's good, isn't it? It's a nice feeling in the room. I kind of could just stop talking and we'd just be fine. And that's part of the purpose of, of when we gather together. And that's why we still don't we don't just break off and just do home churches. We we do this because when we when we gather together as, as many of us as we can, there's this moment where where and I was talking to a friend, a uh, new friend, Nick, who, who's like, this is this is his favorite. Day of the week in a sense, because and it should be because it's it's us coming together to set us up as a church for the week ahead. And and part of what we do when we gather is is we glorify the name of Jesus. And when we do that, suddenly we are we are caught back like mirrors reflecting his image back to him and him pouring his love into us and, and that's that's wonderful. It's good. You may feel like I'm waffling, but that's okay. I'm partly M. Waffles are very good, Ken. There's nothing better than a good waffle. And for all of you who are intolerant of gluten, I have discovered that gluten-free waffles are the better waffle. Have I thanked the panellists? Yes, I have. So we were going to be going on to a new series, and we kind of are, uh, and it was called Every Day Rediscovering a Love for the Bible. But I felt that for today, I actually just want to kind of be a bridge between what we've come through as a, as a community in the series we've gone and into this, this very quick uh, two-week series around rediscovering the Bible and, and understanding how to become people of the book. How do we actually engage with Scripture in a way that is treating it the way it's meant to be treated? You ever used a tool, the wrong tool for the wrong job? we do all the time in our family, it's wonderful. That's why our knives are often bent and... ...when this, this book that you have... The t- ...and it is, it's, it's misleading to call it a book, actually... ...because it's actually called in the Greek, tabiblia, the books. So it's actually a library in your hand... ...if you've got a physical or a phone. And there are many, many books that tell one unifying story and therefore become one unifying revelation of our divine heavenly Father, his incredible Son, our Lord Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And that in their community, working with us as his people, he is working out his purpose and plan, which is called the plan and purpose of the kingdom. And so when we pick up the Bible and we read the Bible, it's incredibly important that we Bring it within its context. And we have to be coming and being scriptural in the way that we deal with things. If we we want to be people that, that hear from God and work through life, and particularly the challenges of life like suffering, then we need to have a really good understanding of how God wants us to journey through those things. And if we're only living by one text, that we pull out of context and stand on that text, not realizing the full picture, you will be very disappointed. Because you will formulate a theology that is not correct. And therefore, you will build in your life. You think you're building it on the rock, but you're not. You're building it on part of the rock. But when you bring it back into its full context and study the Scriptures and understand the Scriptures and know how to apply the Scriptures and how to be led by the Spirit in revealing and illuminating what God wants to say to you in the current context, then you can build your life on something firm. So every time we come around the Word as much as possible, we want to remind you that we are not taking these random texts and just preaching a thought or a philosophy. We are bringing it within the whole narrative of Scripture and trying to be caught up and go along with what God is doing in and through us. So next week we have Katie Haldane. Who remembers Katie? She began a a wonderful project called Trash Your Bible, which sounds terrible, but it's not. It's all about actually reading and getting into and really hard and and actually understanding the word. Well, she's going to be doing a video message for us next weekend in our home churches and just helping us unpack that. But I wanted to take today to really, as we come out of this this journey around suffering and understanding, to talk to you about the principle uh, in the scriptures of hope. Now, I think hope is probably in this life one of the most important things we can have. It's one of the top three, Paul said. He said, you need faith, you need hope, and you need love. Now, love is the greatest of all. But hope is so incredibly important for us as believers. And to have a biblical framework around hope ...is incredibly important. So we're going to look at the book of Romans together. And there's, it's a long book, so we'll do our best and get through parts of it... ...that I think are going to help you uh, in, in in your journey with him. I'm going to start in this verse in Romans 5.13. It's, it's really in itself um, a, a wonderfully short but complete prayer... ...from Paul for the church in Rome and it says this in Romans 15:13 may the now may the god of hope fill you with all peace and joy as you believe in him may the god of hope fill you all with joy and peace as you believe or trust or have faith however you want to put that in him in him so that whenever it's so that it's they're connected so that cuz there's a purpose of you being filled with joy and peace people did you know that God doesn't want you just to be filled with joy and peace so that you'd be filled with joy and peace. It's a good thing to be filled with joy and peace. It's much better than not being filled with joy and peace. Amen? But you know what? God's not finished there. There's actually a greater purpose. So that you may overflow with hope. I've got to tell you, we live in a world that is filled with hopelessness. Truth is subjective. There is nothing they can really build on. It is, it is, it is completely confusing. We, we believe one thing about human rights and we do the complete opposite in many different areas. We are so confused in the world today that the world is filled with people and particularly our younger generation coming up very hopeless because the world's going crazy. And as believers, we can't, as we go through our own journey and stuff, we can't be people that are hopeless. We have to overflow with a hope. And it's not generated by you. It's not generated by wishful thinking. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. If we want to be people who come through suffering, stronger in our walk with God, more in love with Him, And each other, and able to offer this world the hope that is found in Him, we must take any misplaced hope and plant it firmly back in Jesus and His promises of salvation, eternal life, and the recreation of all things. In other words, our glorification, the final moment when He makes all things new. That is what we put our hope in. This is what we firmly put our hope in. We put our hope in him and his promise for us. We need a God perspective and therefore a scriptural understanding of hope. We want to be people who live by the scriptures, which reveal God's intention for us. So as we look at this theme of hope in the book of Romans, let me give you some context of Romans because context is important. I'll tell you why context is important. If I wrote a letter to you and it was two pages and every day you kind of read two verses and then went and applied those without reading it in the full context, you could start doing some very weird things. And Christians sometimes do some very weird things because they're not reading these things in context. So the letter of Rome, Romans was written to the church in Rome after a very significant event. So the emperor of the day had made an edict because the Jewish zealots were uprising and trying to push against Rome, particularly in Jerusalem. He decided, I've had enough with all of this and he kicked every person of Jewish heritage out of Rome. And this was after the formation of the church in Rome. So where there had been two people groups, Jews, who'd become Christians in Rome, as well as Gentiles, who'd become Christian in Rome, were living together in the best way they could. They were trying to work out their differences and all of a sudden, half of them get kicked out. A few years later, the edict is changed and they come back. And these Jews have come back and they're very passionate about what makes them Jewish. Following Torah, eating the right foods, doing these things. And they're meeting now a majority church of Gentiles who do things very differently. They eat meat that were offered to idols. They're drinking wine in different expressions of freedom. And it's creating this tension within a community. So Paul writes a letter to them because he's about to plan to go to Spain and he needs somewhere he can base himself. That's not crazy. He needs a church that is one because this is the whole purpose of the good news to bring us all as one. There is no Greek, no Jew, no woman. We're all one in Christ Jesus. So this is the purpose. This is the context of the letter. And in this, we see that Paul is... In, in bringing them together, these two groups that he defines as the strong and the weak, in bringing these groups together, he begins to show them that what actually will bring them together and what will actually bring our lives together. Whenever there's this separation and disunity between what we are feeling and believing and experience, the thing that brings us together is when we take all the things we thought we had our hope in and put it firmly back in the one person of Jesus Christ. So Romans five one five says, Therefore, since we've been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've also obtained access through Him by faith into this glory, grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, meaning when Christ returns and renews and makes all things new. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that afflictions produces endurance endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope this hope will not disappoint us there is a hope that will disappoint you it's a hope in the wrong thing because hope deferred makes the heart sick but when you put your hope the right thing, it becomes a hope that cannot be disappointed. It becomes a hope that actually gets stronger through the trials and sufferings we go through. It's a hope that actually becomes something that firms us up in this life. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts, again, through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Okay. Have you ever watched a field of sunflowers? Yes? Well, okay, maybe not watched, maybe you're not like me. Have you ever just noticed a field of sunflowers? Okay, or a field of flowers? Okay, good. Does anyone here talk to trees? No, I'm the only one? Ah, good, someone who's crazy like me, it's good. Sunflowers are amazing, They, they will follow the direction of the sun. And, and they're caught up in this image of this, this sense of reflection. That's why I like them. And, and, and I sometimes feel like when Jesus is talking about the parable of the seed, he's thinking of sunflowers, but that's just my thoughts. But like the parable of the sower, where Jesus talked about this seed, if, if the roots don't find their depth in something, something that is meant to glorify God in the heat of the day, under the heat of the day, can perish and wither. And in our lives, if we have not got our roots firmly in the hope of Jesus Christ, where we are meant to thrive and shine, can actually start to cause us to fade away and wither. What we put our hope in matters to whether under trial we will keep flourishing and be people of joy and peace so Paul knows that what will bring this community together as one and cause them to be fully matured, transformed, new creations, not following the ways or the thinking of the flesh but the Spirit, is when they take their misplaced hope and they center it in the one and only Lord Jesus. So again, back to this passage, Romans 15:13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in Him, so that you'll overflow with the hope by the power of the Spirit. Cause imperative to this community who have put their hopes in the wrong things. The Jews had put their hope in Torah and what made them Jewish and their history and their legacy. The Gentiles were putting their hope in their freedom and what they could express and, and the fact that they were Roman citizens and that made them better than anyone else. He's like, guys, none of that means anything. You've been trusting in the wrong thing. You need to put your trust back in the one thing and then you'll overflow with hope. And for us today, in our context, whatever you've put your hope in that is not Jesus, it needs to come back into the person of Jesus. And this can be sneaky. Because we need to know are we trusting in Him or in some of the things we thought He promised? Is my hope in the Creator or the created? Is it in this life or the eternal life? Am I striving, believing and hoping for healing and health? And if I have nothing but that, God has somehow failed? Or have I got a heavenly perspective that this life is like that? But eternal life in Him is where you will experience full healing. Does that mean we don't believe for healing? Absolutely not. We should pray for healing. And sometimes we see the healing come through because we live in a world that, that we see the kingdom coming through, but it's not yet, not fully. So we see beauty at times. We see God break through in these wonderful moments in our lives and we rejoice in these seasons, but then there is a season where the reality of this world can come on us. And so if our hope is in only healing and only health in this life, You'll be disappointed. Jesus comes to a situation where a good friend of his has died, Lazarus. And his sister comes to Jesus and said, oh man, if you had been here, you'd have answered my hope. But he's dead. And he said, Mary, he'll be resurrected. She said, I know, Lord. He'll be resurrected at the resurrection. And Jesus stops her and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, the reality about this story is Lazarus is miraculously raised from the dead. Amazing. But guess what? Not a few years later, we don't know how long, Lazarus died. How do I know? He's not here. We live in a time where our mortality is still a thing. And so if our hope is in health and and wholeness in this life only, and we lose perspective of the glorious promise of eternal life in Him, you will be disappointed. So is your hope in this life or the eternal life? Am I hoping for comfort, comfort, prosperity and success? And again, they're not bad things to hope for. What a miserable pastor if I told you, guess what, life sucks, get over it. No, <laughs> it's good to hope for good things. Some of you go on for a new job, you don't know if it's going to work out. Hey, we're praying it's going to work out. But if it doesn't, does that mean God failed? Does that mean that you failed? No. So if you don't want to crumble in that moment and become ineffective in our absolute calling and mission to be people who overflow with hope, we need a greater perspective on what we're hoping in. So like Paul, we need to learn to be content in all seasons, with and without. And the context of that scripture is where we get the text that's often misquoted, that then we can do all things or all seasons through Christ who strengthens me i got to tell you, some of you are blessed financially right now. Praise God. You will be wonderfully a blessing to the many people around you and you can be sowers of the good work. If you lose it, you'll be okay. Because you're in Christ and you're in community and you will get through this. If our hope is in the right thing, we can get through this. Is my hope in this world or the kingdom not of this world? We have had some interesting moments politically recently, some decisions that have been made that are a little confronting to our existence as a church, to our existences as Christians. They're a little against what we would hope that people would defend our rights. What we do in these moments, how do we hold our heart together and continue to pray for the leaders that are above us? We can believe for change and all those things fantastic, but we got to remember we're not we're 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 part of a kingdom not of this world. We have to keep our eyes on the right thing and hope in the right thing. If we want to experience genuine joy and peace in our lives, and I suggest that you do, and be people who overflow with joy both individually and as a community, when we face suffering of varying kinds, we must place our trust firmly in him and what he promised. In 4.17, he, he pulls up this concept of Abraham and what Abraham did and why he was called righteous. And it says this, that he, Abraham, believed in God who gives life to the dead and caused things into existence that, not, that do not exist. He believed hoping against hope. So that he became the father of many nations. Abraham was counted as a genuine son of God because he believed for something that he did not yet see. He believed and hoped in a promise that was coming to pass and yet was still coming to pass. And this is the era that we live in. We are called to do the same, to hope for something that we are fully yet to experience. But if we grasp onto this hope for our full redemption in him, Put our trust in Him, He will carry us through all things. So in my final few minutes together, are you ready for a lot of Scripture? Yes, Yes, some of you are like, oh no, that's excellent. It's great when we as believers are so not excited by the Bible. No, we're going to go through these passages because it's good for you. We're going to read from Romans 8, 18 to 39. I will be as brief as I can, children, you've been amazing. Okay. Okay. Let's go to 8.18 if we can. Thank you so much. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. It's coming, guys. It's coming. For the creation eagerly eagerly awaits with anticipation for God's sons and daughters to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in the hope. What is that talking about? It is talking about a creation that is literally groaning, a world that is feeling this anticipation because it's there and this is happening for a hope that is coming. It's all part of God's plan. Say, oh, it's all part of the plan. Don't you love t- telling your children it's all part of the plan, even though it's not all part of the plan? You're just like, yeah, it's all part of the plan, kids. It's all good. In the hope that the creation will also be set free from the bondage of corruption into the glorious freedom of God's children. This is saying that even creation is in a space of hoping. That will be realized when Christ returns. And all things are made new. And then verse 22 says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. And not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the first fruit, we also groan within ourselves. Ever had a good groan to God? If you haven't, I suggest you do. One of the things I'd hoped we'd capture out of Psalms, and I hope you did, is they're very real. It's okay for you to tell God you're very cross with the situation. It's okay for you to get extremely frustrated and upset. Better that than you to deny your emotions and feelings and eventually end up denying God because it just all seems fake and not real. Just be real. Be a believer who can go through stuff and actually go through pain and realize that life is not all wonderful, that there is pain in this world, and then realize that in that, what you're actually doing is very godly. You're doing what Jesus said would happen, you're groaning. That's what you're meant to be doing because you're agreeing that there is something still happening in this world, that God is still fulfilling something in your life. We eagerly await for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope we were saved, yet that hope that is seen is not hope. Sorry, let me say that again. Yet hope that is seen is not hope because who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope... For what we do not yet see, we eagerly await for it with patience. We are hoping for something we are yet to fully see. And in this wrestle, it's going to require a hoping and a patience, a long-suffering sometimes. My wife and I have experienced this in our own lives, but we're experiencing it presently with our own parents, where we see Things are not as they should be. And, it can, and sometimes the pain and suffering we go through can be short or quick or sudden, like a death in the family, and, and it's very real. And that's very hard to journey through, isn't it? I find sometimes the longer suffering is harder. When you're hoping, but things aren't getting better. I went away for some time and... While I was away or just before my my dad, my dear dad, who's a beautiful man of God but struggles significantly with his mental health, was um, put back into hospital. And I had to come back through on my way back and see him and I was very anxious. And it's not because I didn't want to see my dad. It's not because I don't love my dad. It's because I'm reminded again when I see him that there's things we're still hoping for. There's pains that are still real. And all of us have this at different varying degrees in different times. We need to know how to hope with patience. We need to know how to keep loving and trusting Jesus in these moments. How to keep being kind, not become bitter. How to keep fighting the fight of faith and believing in Him and what He has promised when He puts all things together, that we would be a people that keep hoping. Verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit also joins to help in our weaknesses. Amen. Because we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with these unspoken groanings. I'll, verse, I'll go to verse 28. We know that all things, therefore, work together for good for those who love God. Those who accord according to his purposes. For those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Verse 30. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he has made right or justified. And those he has justified, he has glorified. Paul's using this interesting way of the language where he's talking about something in the present because it's a present reality, but it's yet to be revealed. We're not yet glorified, but we are we're holding on to the moment. And what we see here again is a process of hope being revealed in our lives as we have this p- biblical perspective of suffering, as we, as we continue on the journey and we, ins- we realise that, that these things on the journey, they, they build upon each other and the suffering that we thought was just going to end in suffering is actually building towards this great hope. So we need to be biblical in our approach, but we also need, again, to hear what the Spirit is saying in these moments who's interceding on our behalf, who's speaking to us. And if we want to hear from the Spirit in the moments where we are most hopeless, we have to be present and we have to be listening. Now, I don't know if anyone else is like me. I feel like I have to reveal a lot of my stuff to you, but that's okay. But I don't do that well sometimes. When things get really hard, I start to avoid the feelings. And I start filling my life with noise. <laughs> and it's often very good godly noise. I start listening to podcasts on this theologian or this thing or this funny thing that's happening. But we can fill our life with noise, can't we? And sometimes we stop and realise the, real, the reason we're filling our life with noise is because we don't want to have to deal with the feeling of disappointment, that feeling of pain, that feeling of suffering. But if like me, who is a slow learner but a learner nonetheless, you stop, you repent, you change your mind, say, God, I'm ready to give you more time again, more space to speak. He will speak to you. He will. He will talk to you. This this scripture came alive in my heart just recently because I gave God time to talk to me about my disappointment with what was happening and what was going on for my, my family. And the Spirit will lead us then into these moments where we engage with Him again and He begins to talk to us. So, are we ready? Home stretch. Who's ready? Someone's ready for lunch and to get out of here, so let's do it. What then are we to say about these things? Summary. What should we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger of sword? As it is written, because of you we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. Very strange. That's a weird thought, Paul. You were really winning us over with this kind of, it was moving, it had moment, and then you talk about this. No. Everyone say wrong perspective. Paul's calling some people out. They thought because they're going through persecution and suffering, see God, because of you we're being slaughtered, wrong perspective. No, in all these things, including persecution, we are more victorious, more than victorious, through him who loved us. You guys are in the midst of pain, some of you, and you think it's because you're doing something wrong. You think it's because you're losing. No. You're part of an ongoing battle that has been won and is being won. And in that moment, you can either see yourself as a sheep being slaughtered. Well, God, fine. Like, yay, I get to follow Jesus and life's terrible. Or you can get a better perspective. And remember that even death can't beat you anymore. That the final enemy of anything called freedom, life, and holiness, purity, love, all of it is death. It's lost. And it's been proven because of this. In all these things we are more than victorious through him who loved us for I am persuaded that not even death or life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth, or any created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He has been promised, his promise has been revealed to us through his love. Somebody like, what are you pointing at, that wall? No, there's a cross on the wall. his life was not taken from him friends I was reading the gospel of John again this morning man they come to take him they say we're looking for Jesus the Nazarene he goes I am he and they all fall over oh they took his life no he gave it freely and in that moment destroyed the final enemy the thing called death death that would have kept you separated from God. And now through Christ, you have an eternal hope, a hope not in all things being good all the time. Man, I'm praying for some of you here. This is very real. And I'm believing with you for your healing to the end. But if you don't win in this life, meaning you conquer this illness in this life, you've already conquered. You've already won. Because He won for you. And anyone who puts their hope in Him is already on this winning team I'm praying for some of you I know who have significant challenges with mental health and you wish with everything in your heart that you wouldn't wake up sometimes sad and feeling this hopelessness and you don't know where it comes from. And I'm believing with you like I'm believing for myself for healing in this life, but it might not happen in this life, friends. But it does not mean that you failed or God failed you. And if we stop putting our hope in the things that are created and start putting our hope back on the thing who is creator... And we, we stop believing in this life sometimes and just, and, and stop fighting so hard and, and let go and trust Him. I promise you, you will encounter a peace and a joy. I, I, it's, I'm losing words. I, I've had moments where I've pulled over on the side of the road, bawling my eyes out in distress. And God's There. and I'm not a sadist, but sometimes I miss those moments because there's a God in the valley who if you would take your eyes off off what you really think you need or want and put it back on Him, He will fill you with a peace and joy. And it will be because just so you can have peace and joy, but it'll be more than that. It will be so that you may overflow with hope so that we may be salt and light in this world of darkness, so that we can actually live for a purpose, so that you can go to work. And even though everyone else says, you should not even have gotten up this morning. You come with this thing in your heart that overflows. And it's by the power of His Holy Spirit, pouring out the reality of His love. He loves you with a, what well, the scriptures call it, avenge, a, a, a jealous love. You are his kids. And he has given everything for you. And all you need is to know him and to know this, that you can hope in. Your salvation. Your reconciliation with him. And that one day, he will make all things new. That's what he's promised. Everything else, it's awesome. When it's good, it's good. When it's terrible, it's terrible. But don't put your hope in those moments. Put your hope in stand with me for a moment if you would. I hope in my in in what I've been talking about, this is landing for you, particularly for some of our younger crew here. You're very patient with me when I take a little while to explain what I, I want you to catch in your heart. I don't want this just to be head knowledge and yeah, that was good, but actually something That the Spirit can do in your heart right now. Now, some of you, in fact, all of us, at different degrees, we need to take any misplaced hope, let go of that, and firmly put your hope in Him. And the only way I can describe it that makes the most sense to me in in something that we can do is like when you need to jump into a body of water that you know is a long way down and it might be a bit of a splash in a moment and you can be on the bank hesitating. But the, the, the baptism that we embrace and the baptism that many people have done more recently is this sign of us completely surrendering our trust to him. So, whatever you want to pray, I want you to close your eyes and tell God you're going to trust Him. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.